Paul's reflection on what we have just taken place with uh, the Lord's Supper, the um, eating of the bread and the cup and drinking of the cup. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 28, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. A man ought to examine himself. Now, it's important that we begin to look at ourselves in the right relationship, in the right relationship that we have with Christ. Now, it is, it is very important that... Um, Nikki, would you come here, please? <laughs> I love when they just, you know, just draw people. Come on, come on up here. You know, whenever we examine ourselves, did, did you happen to look in the mirror this morning before you came? No. Oh, no. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, did. you did? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, in case you didn't, I brought one for you. <laughs> yeah. Put it away. Put it away. All right, see, it's a mirror. Okay, mirror. All right. now. now, I was thinking of this, this sermon. You, you, you step over here. This, you know, right here. So you, can, you see that right yeah. here? You can see the mirror? Yeah. All right. So... Whenever we think of a mirror, what do you think of? Reflection. You know? What else? Anything else? What happens if you break a mirror? Whoever empowered a mirror with seven years' bad luck? I mean, did you ever think of that? Who, who decided that if you break one of these things, this piece of glass, that you should have seven years' bad luck? Don't break it by me. Don't break it by you. Okay. Do you, you, you think it has that much power? No. No, that's good. I'm glad because sometimes people do that. How many people don't walk under ladders? You know, why? It's bad luck. Well, you know, the reason it's bad luck is somebody walked under a ladder and it fell on them and they said, oh, bad luck. You know, well, hey, you know, if you walk through a door with a closed, it's bad luck too. You get your nose broke. So... But here, this, here is this, this uh, piece of glass with some stuff on the back that makes it reflective, all right? Now, I want you to say the magic words, okay? You've got to hold the mirror. You close your eyes and say the magic words. Uh, what are the magic words? Uh, mirror, mirror. Mirror, mirror. That I hold in my hand. That I hold in my hand. Reveal to me. Reveal to me. The one whom before you stand. The one before whom you stand. Okay, open your eye. <laughs> what does it show you? Myself. Ah, whoa. <laughs> one, and that's a magic mirror. <laughs> Reveal to me the one before whom you stand. All right. Are you done? I don't know. No, you don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right, you can go sit down. Thank All you. Right. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Let's give Nikki a hand. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Now, Generally, when you look into a mirror, you, you, you're the one doing the assessing, you know? How about that, that little the fairy tale, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? I didn't do that one. You know, that was, it's, 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 whoa, it's me! <laughs> uh, but you think about how we empower things. I mean, here it is, it's, just, it's, it's a piece of glass, and with some coating on the back, I stole it off the wall this morning, did you know it was missing? No, you didn't even notice it was missing. All right. So anyhow, we have this mirror, this, this thing that we've empowered. 
and we look at it, we, you know, we, we put what hair we have in place, in place, and, and we just kind of give it that once over that, that, you know, do we look appropriate for, for, for public. But some people, in their mystical way of approaching things, will empower this. Um, there are some tribes, some cultures, that if they look into the mirror, if they look into a mirror, they fear, that the, they fear the mirror because it captures their soul. It captures their soul. Why? Because they look at it and they see themselves and they don't really understand it. Did you ever see a dog see itself for the first time in a mirror? <laughs> I mean, it just, it just, it just like barking in the mirror. It's barking at that dog who looked ferocious at itself. Then it'll back away and whatever. So we, we have a lot to do with, uh, with a mirror and what it, what it does. Well, the Bible tells us that we are to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And the difference is that as we examine ourselves, number one, as, as we look in the mirror, <laughs> it is as it should be. <laughs> it is, it hasn't changed much, all right? And the trouble is it didn't change much from yesterday but, or last week, but you know what? It's changed a lot over 60 years, and... Uh, and so the mirror can reflect those changes. And what we have to do is get some pictures and stuff and look at it from years ago and you see how much you've changed. Well, I remember uh, this one, you know, I think we've all done this one. You've come in from uh, perhaps working or outside and uh, you come in after play or whatever and you come in the house and there is some cupcakes or whatever on the table and they're white bread, white cake, and you open it up and you start eating and then you see these prints on the cupcake. <laughs> because what happens? You then wash your hands. <laughs> and so you look at that and you have the decision to make. Do I throw it away or eat the dirt? <clears throat> How many ate the dirt? <laughs> I uh, just wanted to make sure. So, so we eat the dirt. Uh, why? Because the cupcake is that good. All right. So what happens is sometimes there are some things that are very obvious. You know, there are some things that are very obvious. Uh, if you are if you are eating and somebody says, "What are they doing?" Yeah, something on your mouth. Or how about the one, I, I love the, Brad, you have to do this sometime, that with the kids, you know, you, you, can you do the reflection, you have two bowls, and in the one bowl, the person, you know, there's two people, and the one bowl that you give to somebody has black soot on the bottom, and you, you know, and, you, you, and you're supposed, they're supposed to look directly in your eyes and mimic everything that you do, and when you're looking at them, and they're going like this, and you're going like this, and you know, like this, and of course they're laughing, and you're wondering what are they laughing at, and you're putting black soot all over your face, and uh, when it's all over, what do you do? Yeah, look in a mirror, <laughs> and you didn't know what you were doing, and there you have this soot all over your face, and everybody's laughing because the joke was on you. All right, so. We find these things that, as, as we try to be reflective and we try to uh, understand what, you know, what people are doing and so on, what's going on in our life, the Bible says that it is the mirror of God's word. 
And whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, we are, we are reflecting upon what is written here. The difference is, when I reflect on the image in the mirror, I have my own assessment and perhaps my society's assessment of what a person should look like and what a person should be wearing. And we have these ways of looking at things, but the mirror of God's word is a mirror that talks to us about that which is eternal, that gives us a perspective of life that isn't something that comes to us on our own. How many have ever said, if I were God? <laughs> How many have ever told God what he should do? I just want to make sure, because that's whenever you pray. We generally tell God what he should do. God, did you, you know, I, I've said that I'm sure God has, a, God has a flat forehead and he's bald right up here. Because every time I pray, I tell him what he should do. And he goes, oh, David, I never thought of that. That's just a little humor there. You know, it's like God, the all-knowing, doesn't think of something, and I had to inform him. Yeah. So it's not that way. So the reflectiveness that we find in the Word, in the mirror of God's Word, is there are things that we need to look at, and there are things that we need to add. Can you imagine looking into a mirror, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and I'm sure we'll come up with one of these someday, and it says, more makeup needed. <laughs> Pluck your eyebrows. <laughs> Comb your hair. Take a bath. <laughs> shave. You know, that someday that's going to happen, and you're going to be able to look in the mirror, and it's going to tell you what you should be doing. Well... The Bible is the mirror of God's word, and it gives us an outline of what we should be doing and how we should and what God... Now, this is the, 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 the scripture doesn't give us a guilt trip. It's important that we understand this. The, the Jesus Christ is a good shepherd who leads his sheep. God leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He leads us. He doesn't guilt us. Okay? God leads us. He doesn't guilt us. A guilt trip is some place that you book because you think you should or somebody thinks you should and the shoulda, woulda, couldas and the if onlys and we do all that guilt and manipulation and guilt and manipulation is not being led. The purpose of the church and the purpose of the word of God, the purpose of our relationship with Jesus Christ is about being led in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And that literally means that a shepherd worthy of his name will take care of his sheep. Jesus, worthy of be the title, Lamb of God, he who is God, he is worthy of that title because he leads us who are unworthy in his path, the path of righteousness. So he is our good shepherd. I was reading this uh, story about John Bevere. He's an author. And, and this is how he tells his story of when he finally came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And this was whenever he was a student at Purdue University. He said one evening his Christian friends knocked on his door. And in the course of sharing the word of God with me, he asked, John, can you tell me about the President of the United States? John responded, sure. His name is Jimmy Carter. His wife's name is Rosalind. He was a former governor of Georgia. Prior to that, he was a peanut farmer. He said, good. 
can you tell me about Jesus Christ? He says, I, sh I can. He was born of a virgin. His stepfather was named Joseph. He had 12 disciples and he died on the cross. He said, great. Now, tell me this. Do you know the president, do you know President Carter like you know your mother? I quickly responded, no. He asked, what was the difference? I said, well, she's my mother. I know her personally. I've never met the President of the United States. He then said, so you have a personal relationship with your mom, but even though you know much about the President, you don't know him. You don't have a personal relationship with him. And I answered, correct. Then he said, do you know Jesus Christ like you know your mother? I was stunned. I sat there not knowing what to say. He then showed me God's plan of sending Jesus, who was not to make us a bunch of churchgoers, but to have a personal relationship with us. For the next year, I spent hours in the Bible. I couldn't get enough. I wanted to know God's Word. And before giving my life to Jesus, the Bible read much like a bunch of stories and rules. Now it was God's word to me personally because it had come alive in my heart. And this is the relationship that we are looking for in Jesus Christ. The relationship is that we know him. And I know him in the power of his resurrection. We spoke of this in our Sunday school lesson. There's, when it talks about in 1 Peter about knowledge, it talks about a knowledge that is knowing and then it talks about a knowledge that is an understanding. That is a, um, what was the word? Revealed? Revealed? Was that the right word? Uh, but anyhow, what it means is that I know the word of God like I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then the revelation of that knowledge is I know that I'm not alone. Okay? I know that God has promised I will never leave you nor forsake you. But the, the revelation of that knowledge is, I stand here and I don't feel alone. Why? Because Jesus is with me. So there's a difference in the knowledge. The knowledge to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior is not only that we know that Jesus has died upon the cross and risen from the dead, and we partake of communion, and that we enter into this partnership with God. We have this partnership with God that Jesus has has instigated and, and, he has, and he has called us and he has spoken to our hearts so there is this knowledge but the understanding is I am forgiven. I am forgiven. We spoke of and sang about the resurrection. The resurrection is that, that there is a knowledge that Jesus Christ says because I live you shall live also and then there is this understanding in our heart that says Hmm. When he calls me, I will rise. I will hear him call my name. See, that is not only a knowledge, that is a revelation to my heart. That's a revelation to my heart. James chapter 4 Verses, uh, James chapter 4, verse 10. Have that up there? 
Okay. James chapter 4, verse 10. I'll read it to you as soon as I find it. Found. Okay. What does it say? Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So we have this relational understanding that God is going to lift us. He's going to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Then James chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that you battle with a battle within you? There are a lot of battles going on in our life. And you want something but don't get it. You, you covet and, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight and you don't have because you don't ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own passions. And the idea is here that he's talking to us about a revelation, an understanding that's in our hearts. <laughs> And how then do we see ourselves with our knowledge and with our hearts? You see, we look in the mirror and we can assess what we look like. But when we look in our heart, there's only one assessment that counts. And this assessment, it said in Revelation 19.7, says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That God has given us a hope that is going to last forever. The, the mirror of God's word reflects the word in our life. It reflects Jesus Christ. It reflects Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. So as we take this word and we look at it, it gives us a reflection. And the reflection is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind, your neighbor as yourself. Well, God, you don't know my neighbor. <laughs> and, uh, but what happens is, he says to us, that his revelation will give us the ability to love those who don't love us. Just as when he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The same love that was in his heart on the cross for us is the same love that helps us love our neighbor. The same love that he says that he died for us because he loves us is the same reflection that tells us that I am with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God's word inspires our belief. God's word inspires us to understand God has a purpose for us. Brad, did you come? John 10.10 says, A thief is only there to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. So whenever we start looking at the Word and we start looking and reflecting upon the Word of God, we don't come with, we don't come with our own conceptions. Well, I mean, we do, and that's where we get in trouble. We look at the Word and we say, oh, well, 
you know. It's, uh, it's written a long time ago by people who are outdated and all that kind of stuff, and it's not what it says. As we look at this word, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. There is a hope in our heart because the hope that is in the scripture is reflected into our lives by the same God who inspired the writers. The same God who inspired Paul and Peter, the same God who inspired John and Matthew, the same, the same God who inspired Timothy, <laughs> the same God who inspired John the Beloved, it's the same God who inspires us. And as, as we reflect upon this, the purpose is not a guilt trip. The purpose is that we might have life and that we might have better life than we ever imagined. That we might have better life than we ever imagined. That's the reflection that we get from this. Because it is alive and active and goes to the very heart of our soul. Amen? I wanted, this is a song that came to my mind as I was putting this together and I asked Brad to sing it to us, for us. Sing it with me. There is a place that I know Where I need more often to go A place of amazing comfort and rest Where a smile is never rare Your love is as free as the air
every time you look in the mirror and you see a reflection remember this what the word of God is truly telling us about that reflection that you are never alone and you fear nothing at all that person you see in the mirror fears nothing at all because you're safe in the arms of our Father. That's what this word reflects in our lives. Amen?